Good morning, St. Anne's Church. Thank you, Manoj, for the honor of speaking today. Also, thank you to the many in this body who have prayed for Naomi's Village, sponsored children, visited our children's home, and given contributions. I felt led to focus on one of today's scripture passages in Mark chapter 10, which is the one we just read, and I'll read it again. Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This seven-verse segment describes an encounter between Jesus and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus that took place on the outskirts of Jericho. Now, we already know that Jesus and his 12 disciples were on the road heading to Jerusalem. We were told as much earlier in verses 32 through 34 when Jesus pulls the 12 aside and tells them what would happen there, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise again. And in today's passage, we see that this last journey of Jesus passed through Jericho before what was to be his final walk to Jerusalem, where Jesus would ride in on a colt, as described in Mark 11. Think about that earlier passage in Mark. Jesus was soberly aware of his destiny and yet willing to take every step on the way there even though he knew fully what suffering lay ahead for him. He did that in love, with his resurrection in mind, knowing the value of the eternal victory he would secure for his children on that day. And so in today's passage, we see Jesus passing through Jericho, this relative oasis at the time for wealthy Romans. And as usual, a large crowd is in tow but there was this blind beggar named Bartimaeus, or son of Timaeus, who had set up by the roadside as they were leaving town. And we can understand a few things about this man Bartimaeus from the story. Number one, his father was probably uh, known locally because Bartimaeus's name referenced his father's son of Timaeus. 
Number two, Bartimaeus previously had his sight and then lost it. He wasn't born blind. We know that because he asks Jesus, let me see again. Uh, so Bartimaeus was someone who was uh, aware of what it was to grieve loss. If any of you in this room have had something valuable and lost it, then you know the distinction is important. Bartimaeus believed Jesus was the Messiah. The name Son of David, he kept shouting, was a reference to a messianic promise from Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. When Bartimaeus called Jesus that name, it was tantamount to an expression of faith in him as Savior. And Bartimaeus was desperate for Jesus' help. He did not consider himself entitled or worthy of Jesus' intervention. Otherwise, why refer to what he needed from Jesus as mercy? He cried out loudly without the ability to see the object of his supplications. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have you ever felt that desperate before yourself? Aware that you needed Jesus' mercy so much that you were willing to cry out to him? Bartimaeus was grieving, desperate, and surrendered to his need of Jesus' mercy. And then look at what Jesus did. In the midst of a noisy crowd, his busyness, the purpose of his final journey to die for you and me, his compassion overtook him. And he stopped for just one man, one lost sheep, and he stood still. Isn't that beautiful? Think of that, like a a strong tower in the middle of a tempest. All the noise, all the purpose, and Jesus stood still, and he was present. And he was not distracted. He was there for Bartimaeus. Call him here, Jesus said above the noise. And they called Bartimaeus. Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And there was not one bit of hesitation or turning back in Bartimaeus. The day of his salvation had finally arrived. It says in the Bible he threw off his cloak. And every detail is there for a reason. The cloak was a valuable piece of clothing at that time. It was an important thing to have a cloak. And Bartimaeus, I believe, was using that cloak, spreading it across his lap to catch coins. And I think he knew when Jesus called his name that he was not going to need that anymore. The, the day of his healing had come and he would not need to beg again. So he threw it aside. Doesn't say in the Bible that he went back for it. So what did Jesus do when Bartimaeus arrived? He asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Notice that Jesus didn't tell Bartimaeus what he needed. He was willing to let him speak first and not presume he knew what he needed or wanted. But he was omniscient. And I think that's just amazing. It's hard to do that sometimes when you have someone that is in front of you that has a need. You so often want to assume. And sometimes I think we do worse than that. We tune out people like Bartimaeus. We walk past them as though we don't see or hear them. Sometimes we are like those in the crowd who clamor after the things of Jesus. We are after the affiliation and the attention, the excitement. 
Sometimes we even get annoyed. We want to tell them to be quiet, the beggars and the blind. How do we react more like Jesus, who despite carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders that day in Jericho had time for Bartimaeus, for one man? I'm so challenged by this passage, and I want to be more like him myself. His answer, Bartimaeus' answer, evidences more about his personal faith in Jesus. He says, my teacher, let me see again. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And then what happened after that? Bartimaeus regained his sight and he followed him on the way. The rest was a downhill run. It was what always happens when you have faith. Salvation follows. And as a sign of that salvation, he regained his sight. God often did, did that. Jesus often did that. He, he restored sight. He allowed someone to walk again, but it was the salvation that mattered. But something even more incredible happened. He got up, Bartimaeus did, and he followed Jesus. And it wasn't just the physical following. Yeah, he left his cloak, and he left his town, and he left his father, but he left himself behind. He became somebody new. And that's the most amazing thing. And I wonder what happened to Bartimaeus after that. Did he continue on to Jerusalem? It's about a 15-mile walk. Did he continue there with the rest of them? Did he see him come in, the triumphal entry, the following week? Was he there when he was crucified? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Was he one of the 500 that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as having seen Jesus resurrected? Was he in the crowd at Pentecost? We don't know. But it's, it's like the line in the Switchfoot song. He, what had happened to him is it was like a new way to be human. That's what happened to Bartimaeus. He he became new. My story parallels this, and I'm sure some of yours do too. I was blind, though spiritually speaking. At 32 years old, I had landed on the bullseye of the American dream. Julie and I had reached all the some days that we had been waiting on. I was living in the suburbs of Dallas, having finished my training, and uh, we had a big house and had a beautiful little girl, and we, every direction we looked, things were positive, but our lives were empty. And we seemed to be missing something and we couldn't put our finger on it. We were suffering from the same slowly evolving illness that kills so many marriages and families. A focus on material things and wealth and image and endless worries about stuff that had little, had little meaning and a tendency to be drawn away from what was right by every sinful temptation. We didn't know God. We were living like practical agnostics, like we didn't really know if he existed. And then without doing anything of our own, Jesus walked past, and our eyes were truly open to him for the first time. We didn't do anything. It was him, and everything changed after that. Through a series of encounters, four different people came into my life over a few months' time, and God changed me. He showed me that Jesus was the Son of Man who died for my sins. 
and I wanted to follow him. I can't tell you the whole story this morning, but over the next three years, I went to the Philippines and Brazil on some mission trips, and God opened my eyes to what he could do to use me in the nations. And then our family went to Kenya in 2003 for the first time. We were on this mission station overlooking the Great Rift Valley, and we were surrounded by all these new people, beautiful people, um, a different culture, and all the suffering, beauty and suffering. The juxtaposition of that was what God used to woo us back to Kenya the following year. We were there for two months. Julie got off of the mission station, went down into the Great Rift Valley, and visited a truck stop town and saw hundreds of children who were suffering from the effects of generational poverty and the AIDS epidemic. Orphaned kids, and it broke her heart. Some things that you see, you can't unsee. They change you forever, and that's what happened to Julie. And as she introduced me to what she was seeing, the times I wasn't in the hospital, it, the same thing happened to me. And we began to pray, and God moved. And just like Bartimaeus, when you're following Jesus, you go. I mean, there were questions, yes. We didn't know all the answers, but we followed. And he gave us a vision to start a children's project. We went back to Kenya two more times, moved there in 08, and we built Naomi's Village Children's Home. And God gave us a vision to raise a group of children, equip, empower, enable, teach, train, and charge them with the goal of eradicating cyclical generational poverty and the orphan crisis in their own nation. It's a tall order. We've been at that now for 10 years. We never planned to do this with our lives, but when you follow Jesus, he leads and you follow him. And that's, that's what's happened. Much like Bartimaeus and thousands of others in the early church, we today are also witnesses of the greatest thing that has ever happened on planet Earth. God became flesh. He was one of us. He lived a sinless life, and he walked among his people. He died on a cross and rose again for our freedom. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And it changed my life, and I know it's changed so many people's lives in this room, and that's what matters. I was talking to Lynn Tenard this morning, and she was talking about how she was helping some Afghan refugees, she and her husband and her son. And she mentioned that it's one person at a time. Love is one person at a time. That the, the way that change happens is to minister and love one person at a time. I want to close with a quote um, by the great Christian writer Philip Yancey. The great societies of the West have been moving away from an underlying belief in the value of a single human soul. We tend to view history in terms of groups of people, classes, political parties, races, sociological groupings. We apply labels to each other and explain behavior and ascribe worth on the basis of those labels. I realized I had been seeing large human problems in a mathematical model. Percentages of GNP, average annual income, mortality rate, doctors per thousand of population. Love, however, is not mathematical. We can never precisely calculate the greatest possible good to be applied equally to the world's poor and needy. We can only seek out one person and then another, and then another as objects for God's love. 
I've seen so much of that going on in this community and in this church. And I just wanted to acknowledge that again this morning. Thank you for what you do for us and for your community. God bless you all.